fluffing your lie, moving your ball, dropping a different ball, heck, even sandbagging. There are countless ways you could cheat if you wanted to in your weekend game. Of course, there are countless ways your buddies could be cheating against you as well. Sometimes these infractions can be relatively innocent. I mean, who hasn't taken a breakfast ball? Who hasn't scooped up a putt that was probably just outside of gimme range? These minor offenses happen all the time, and provided the rest of your group is cool with them, and there's no money on the line, they remain minor offenses. But when committed against higher levels of competition with serious stakes, these small crimes can produce huge consequences. Earlier this year, Golf Digest ran a package that shared 13 cringeworthy stories from various editors involving golf's dreaded C-word. If it proved anything, it's that if you've played golf long enough, you've undoubtedly encountered a cheating tale of your own, just hopefully not a tale that involves yourself breaking the rules. Most of these stories occurred in recreational rounds and ranged from golfers magically finding lost golf balls to secretly moving their golf balls closer to the hole to simply doing some creative scorekeeping. But an incredible story about a golfer suspected of doing all of those things in the same round emerged more recently. And it happened during arguably the most pressure-packed tournament of the year. I'm Alex Myers, and this is Local Knowledge, where we take a deep dive into some of the game's most compelling stories. On this episode, we'll examine cheating in golf, why it happens, how it happens, and just how prevalent it is. We'll get into that whopper of a cheating tale in a bit, but first, let's take a quick look back at the history of cheating in golf, and why such a tale would stand out so much. Anybody can cheat at golf, but to cheat creatively and to get away with it is an art form. Obviously, that's a joke, because golf has always been a game based on honor. And before you roll your eyes at that, what other sport relies so heavily on participants to enforce the rules and keep their own scores? Even at the game's highest level, when nearly every shot is captured on camera, PGA Tour stars are expected to put old-school pencil to paper to keep score for themselves and their playing partners. To be clear, there's always help nearby, and players aren't shy about calling in a rules official to get a second or even third opinion. Side note, go check out our local knowledge episode on rules officials, after you finish listening to this episode, of course. But for the most part, players police themselves, and the entire foundation of golf competition relies on people playing by the rules. Heck, following rules is what our entire civilization is based upon. You know, we're living in a society. We're supposed to act in a civilized way. It's true that there's an old saying in sports, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. But that just doesn't apply in golf. Here's Golf Digest Shane Ryan. Yeah, you know, I've often thought that the reason golf has this um, reputation as being very honorable and puts such an importance on fair play is probably because it is much easier to cheat in golf than in some other sports. And so you need that, right? So it's like this defense thing. It's like, here you have a game where anybody can go out and, you know, I could come home today and say, I just shot a 65 at Hillendale in North Carolina. Nobody can really disprove it. You would know it's not true, but you can't prove that I'm wrong. As a result... There is no sin in golf worse than cheating. You can tell that just from how one famed golfer was admired for simply not succumbing to the temptation to break the rules. Bobby Jones is one of the most accomplished golfers of all time with a combined seven U.S. Open and British Open titles. But perhaps his most famous stroke didn't even come from hitting a golf ball. 
During the first round of the 1925 US Open, Jones called a one-stroke penalty on himself when he saw his ball move in the rough. And although fans and media gushed over his integrity, which wound up costing him the tournament when he lost in a playoff, Jones famously said, Sir, that's like congratulating a man for not robbing a bank. I don't know how else to play the game. Jones had a point. It was certainly a noble thing to do, but basically Bobby did what he was supposed to do. Even though he was the only person to see his golf ball move, if it moved, that's a penalty. And yet the incident has been immortalized, including in that scene from the movie, The Legend of Bobby Jones. In calling a penalty on himself, he demonstrated for all of us the highest ideal of sportsmanship and personal honor. I'm prouder of him than if he'd won. Way to go, Bobby. On the other hand, cheaters, or even perceived cheaters, aren't usually bestowed the title of legend, even if they go on to do legendary things. Take Vijay Singh, who long before he won 34 PGA Tour titles, including three majors, was suspended by the Asian Tour in 1985 for allegedly improving his score during a tournament. Singh has always maintained it was a misunderstanding, but the story stuck with him, even as he piled up trophies. Once you get that cheater label, it's impossible to shake. Such will be the case for Matt Morose. His story was the whopper I referred to earlier, and it happened at this year's pre-qualifying stage of Q School. Thanks to a birdie chipping on the final hole of the third and final round, the Philadelphia area club pro appeared to make it through on the number. But the drama was just starting to unfold. You know, it's a wild, wild story. That's the Fire Pit Collective's Ryan French, a.k.a. Monday Q Info on Twitter, who reported the entire bizarre saga, which I'll try to summarize. First, Moroz's playing partners, Andrew Nee and Grant Hafner, questioned Moroz's score when he went to sign his card. They suspected Moroz had cheated earlier in the round on another holeout, an approach shot on the par 4 fifth hole. After hitting a blind uphill approach shot, Moroz and his caddy had beaten his playing partners to the green, where they claimed to have already plucked Moroz's golf ball out of the hole for an eagle. From Nee and Hafner's vantage point, Moroz had hit a poor second shot that had no chance of even finishing on the green. According to them, Moreau said, quote, maybe it bounced off the turkeys, end quote, referencing a flock of turkeys in the rough. Yep, turkeys. But wait, there's more. Two holes later, Moreau's hit a tee shot into a penalty area where a spotter was there to mark where Moreau's golf ball crossed. But after the spotter left to help another player, no one saw Moreau's until he was up on the green in what he claimed was two shots. After the round, however, Moroz was presented with a golf ball with his markings that was found near where the spotter had marked his ball on the hole. Moroz claimed it must have been from an earlier round. But wait, there's even more! Turns out, Moroz had been being watched extra closely that day by Nebraska PGA officials after his second round playing partner suspected he had done something similar on two different holes the previous day after walking ahead and finding his golf balls in playable spots. And a search of those spots after the tournament turned up two more of Moroz's golf balls. With so much evidence of foul play, Moroz was disqualified, which allowed two players who thought they had missed by a shot to advance to the next stage. Moroz and his caddy, Andy Smith, have denied all allegations that they did anything wrong. I don't wish him any ill will, but I mean, the fact is he could have had an impact on players' careers. Uh, had he gotten away with this, then two players would have... Uh, not gone on to first stage that have earned their right to do that. 
And as Alex, you know, uh, Q School is expensive. This is the most important tournament of the year for these guys. If you think Ryan is being overly dramatic, think again. Those three rounds and the right to qualify for the first stage of Q School cost each player $3,500, not to mention other tournament expenses they have. And while it's extremely rare for someone to start at that stage and make it all the way through Q School to earn a Corn Ferry Tour card and put them on track to make the PJ Tour, which is the ultimate goal, it can happen. But not making it past this initial stage can be a real career crusher. Q School ends careers all the time. Uh, you know, it could be a sponsor that says, oh, the kid can't even get through Q School uh, pre pre-qualifying, I'm going to stop supporting him or his family doesn't have money or it's the third time he's missed. So that's the end. And there's two guys that got through assuming that this, all these cheating allegations are, uh, are legit. And it seems to be, you know, the facts are pretty overwhelming is, is that those two kids careers at the very least were affected and could have ended. But sadly, according to French, it's not an isolated one. And while Moroz has been jokingly dubbed the Tiger Woods of cheating since this story was made public, there are a lot of other people doing similarly fishy things. At this point, you're probably wondering, how can that be the case? These are serious golf tournaments with serious money on the line. Aren't there officials watching? Yes, there are. But even at well-staffed events, a golf course is a big piece of property to police so there's always going to be an onus on players to follow the rules. And, well, they're not always going to follow those rules. I get a lot of allegations, and I got, I mean, that among the thousands of messages I've gotten, there's a lot of cheating stories. Them, oh, I got a guy at my club who's won the club championship four times, and he's terrible, blah, 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 to Latin American events, to Corn Ferry events, to, you know, every tour around the world. It has been it has been eye-opening. Again, if one-tenth of the stories that I've got sent are true, there's a lot of cheating going on. <laughs> you see Reed glaring up into the stands. Someone yelled as loud and as clear as day, cheater, as that ball was racing toward the hole. But what about on the PGA Tour? Surely there can't be cheating going on with cameras all over the course that broadcast events to millions of people watching on TV in crystal clear HD, right? The short answer is there can be, and there is. Clearly, the level of scrutiny the best players are under limits the amount of cheating. We'd also like to think that our golf heroes wouldn't succumb to such temptation, but it does happen on occasion. In a 2021 poll conducted among PGA Tour caddies by the Caddy Network, Nearly one-third of responders said cheating is an issue on tour. But Shane Ryan, who spent a year inside the ropes covering the tour while writing his 2015 book, Slaying the Tiger, doesn't believe it's a serious problem. I just don't think a lot of it's going on. Part of it, like you said, is it's very difficult to cheat. Uh, there's cameras on you at all times, and the risk-reward is terrible because if you get caught, it's, you know, what, you may have gotten a benefit in one stroke, but your reputation is ruined, you know, for a long time. One player whose reputation has taken a hit in recent years for things that didn't look so good on camera, though, is Patrick Reed. Now, to be clear, we are not saying Reed is a cheater, especially because we don't want him to sue us like he sued Golf Channel's Brandel Chambly. But whether it was an incident in a bunker at the 2019 Hero World Challenge or an incident in the rough at the 2021 Farmers Insurance Open, 
Reed's actions have been questioned by fans, media, and even his fellow players. Shane wrote about Reed's checkered past as a student athlete at both the University of Georgia and Augusta State before those more public controversies on the PGA Tour. And he happened to be covering the 2019 President's Cup, which happened a week after the bunker incident in the Bahamas. This was his practice swing, and you can see when he took the club back, he definitely took some sand back behind it. Now, you can gra you can ground the club there. He not only did it once, he did it twice. You cannot, though, improve your lie. On the 11th hole, Patrick was assessed a two-stroke penalty for improving his intended uh, line of play. He cannot remove or press down loose soil or sand. And it just so happened that his first shot of the President's Cup, he hit into a bunker, which, you know, couldn't have been funnier. And and all around, I mean, people were going nuts. And I'll tell you, it just got worse as the week went on. Mm -hmm. So that by Sunday, when he was playing a singles match, you had cops kind of following. And I think they were under orders to throw people out that heckled him. Really vitriolic. It was the most passionate that the President's Cup crowd was that whole week. Wasn't kind of, you know, giving it to Patrick Reed because they hated the fact that this guy cheated, or they thought he cheated. This was the same guy who took on all of Scotland at the 2014 Ryder Cup with his infamous shushing gesture, and won over fans. But brush a few grains of sand in a questionable manner, and suddenly he had turned an entire continent against him. So, yeah, this, this parallel thing comes up and evolves with the game that we are honest, and people take that very, very seriously. And so when you break that code... It is, you know, it, people really don't like it. And like we said, there's some protection on some level just because of the nature of professional golf, but there's no protection from the fans, from the media, from things like that, because it feels really personal. Like this Matt Moreau's case, it feels really personal that he would do this, even to someone like me, does not affect my life one bit, but you read it and it's so annoying. It's so aggravating. And I think people feel that. So yeah, when you violate that honor code, it's, it's a huge deal. Stories like Reed's and Morose's have generated plenty of headlines, but there are plenty of other players who have a sullied reputation, whether golf fans know about it or not. I heard a lot of names from Corn Ferry and PGA Tour in the last four days that I had no idea. And mm. they have some very real examples of, you know, at least scenarios where it seems a little weird. So um, players talk 100%. That's that's all there is to it. But how often do they talk about it to the point where action's taken? Players like Cameron Smith and Brooks Kepka have publicly called out Reed. But when Shane Ryan was reporting on Reed's college accusations, he had trouble getting players willing to go on the record, even though there were a lot of golfers with a lot to say. I think I referred to it as an omerta, like a code of silence, where it's like, man, you really, it's such a serious thing that you just don't come out and say it. And, you know, golf kind of professional golf kind of protects its own anyway. And when you throw in these kind of allegations, yeah, it's even more like very, very hesitant. I think there still is a, a stigma against snitching <laughs> for lack of a better word. The problem with that, of course, is that it could lead to more cheating down the road. And more immediately, if a player doesn't speak up about a possible rules violation during a tournament, the overall results of that tournament are compromised. Anybody can handle cheating on the on their own amateur private game however they want but on the pro level it is your job to protect the field um and it's not easy andrew and grant both rookies this guy is older than him them they want to concentrate on their own damn game they don't want it's q school it's the most important they don't want to deal with this crap 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, but at the end of the day, them calling it out protected the two guys that got in, and that's their job. PGA Tour winner Joel Damon agrees. In 2018, he found himself in one of those difficult situations when he believed playing partner Sung Kang was taking a bad drop after hitting his second shot into a hazard on the 10th hole of TPC Potomac during the final round of the Quicken Loans Championship. A heated debate between the two players went on for 25 minutes, causing the group behind them to play through. Eventually, a rules official sided with Kang's assessment, and he salvaged par and wound up finishing T3 to earn a spot in that year's British Open. After the round, Damon stood his ground on Twitter and said not only had Kang made a mistake, he had, quote, cheated. That's as spicy as it gets for golf. It's the hardest thing you we have to do in golf is call out a peer or a playing competitor. Like, no one wants to do that. Um, golfers in general are the least confrontational, probably. I mean, it's like football. Like, you have confrontation on every play. Like, basketball, you're defending someone. Like, golfers are just in their own world. We're pretty individual people. And your goal, I mean, you, you keep some guys score, you have to protect the field, but it's miserable to have that discussion. Damon says most of the problems on tour arise from similar situations where a player has to determine where to take a drop after hitting it into a penalty area. Fortunately, he says 99.9% of the time there isn't an issue, which is why he says cheating is not a big problem on the PGA Tour like it is on the developmental tours or the junior golf circuit where fewer people are watching. It's not common. And it's so uncommon that when something does happen, it becomes a big story. I would put it that way. If it was more common, it wouldn't be such a big story every time it happened. But it happens more. There's always guys rumbling in the in the lunch or in the locker room or having lunch. It's like, oh, you know, I had that happen recently. I had to, you know, we had to chat about it a little bit. Most of the time we get settled properly. Not to give publicly accused cheaters like Kang and Moroz a pass, But assuming they did break the rules, it's a classic hypothetical. What would you do in their situation? With so much on the line, we'd all like to think we wouldn't purposely break the rules. But 99.9% of golfers will never truly know because they'll never be in a situation like that. Especially at the level of Q school, uh, you know, this is their job. And the pressure is unreal. Um, And... You're playing like if you have a sponsor that you're playing with someone else's money and all those things. You know, people make mistakes. I surely not perfect. No one's perfect, and we do stupid things because for stupid reasons. Uh, so to say, I get it. I, I kind of get it. When you have the misfortune, as you did, of hitting into a situation like that, what I always do is I cheat. What counts in this game is not so much the way you play the game, but what is the score at the end of the round. Okay, so it kind of makes sense that people whose livelihoods depend on good golf scores might bend the rules from time to time. But why would average golfers cheat? To quote our friend Bobby Jones, when you cheat in golf, you're only cheating yourself. Hey, he's got a point. After all, what's an accomplishment if it wasn't truly accomplished? On our last episode of Local Knowledge, Shane Ryan and Sam Wyman discussed their personal pursuits to break 80. Oh my God, you're such an asshole. You can tell how much they're motivated, not by money, but by pride. You can also be sure neither would want to do it with an asterisk attached, even if they were the only ones who knew about the asterisk. So why would some regular golfers want to obtain a hollow goal? 
or steal a few bucks from a friend? I talked to sports psychologist, Dr. Brett McCabe to find out. Well, the ego is a very powerful thing, right? And there's this, if you, if you look at most handicappers, minus the member guest sandbagger, I would say that the vast majority of, of, of handicaps are ego vanity handicaps. And, and the reason is we want to project ourselves in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Being socially accepted and socially valued by our friends and our colleagues and people we look up to is human nature. Mm-hmm. But it just feeds directly into golf because here you are. You want to look like you're a better player than you are. Right. And so in the game, the difference between shooting 79 and 81 is so valued so differently in the 19th hole. According to Dr. McCabe, someone repeatedly cheating at golf, like what Matt Morose is accused of doing, makes sense. And that eventually those minor infractions being committed in your weekend games can show up elsewhere the more you do them, eventually snowballing out of control. Yeah, I mean, I think that's half the issue, right? Is you, a little bit, the first anxiety that comes with cheating, you kind of get over it and then you realize, and, and most people I've spoken to that are in this world, or I'm going to be honest with you, people who are like serial adulterers, adulterers uh-huh. or people like that, they'll say, it just got so easy. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually until the lies become hard to maintain, but look in game of golf, there's so many ways to cheat. You can fudge your lie a little bit. You can move your mark without people really being aware of it. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of ways to fudge. Obviously this mindset doesn't only appear in golf. In fact, Shane Ryan has seen it surface time and time again, while overseeing a different type of competition. You know, I run a sports trivia league. Yeah. And and so what we do is at the end, we have, it's an online honor code thing. You play one-on-one, but people who win their divisions then have to do a Zoom call, just like we're doing, where they answer 10 questions and it's, you know, very difficult to cheat. I'm in that league and I never do very well, but now I don't feel as bad because Shane says people will get an absurdly high percentage right of these when they're on their honor to not Google the answers. But then on the Zoom call, well... And we've had people go zero for 10 on some very, very simple questions. And there's really to the point where there's no other, you know, no other question about what's happening. So we send them a form email and we say, you're you're out of the league. You've been caught cheating. That same clean break is rare in golf, although it does happen. Morose was disqualified from Q school. Vijay Singh got that suspension on the Asian tour. And more than that, their reputation takes a dent that can never quite be fixed. Some may as well be forced to wear a big scarlet C on their polos. That being said, each case is different. Gary Player remains a beloved figure of the game, despite being accused of at least bending the rules on a couple of occasions. Most notably, there was an incident on the 16th hole at the 1983 Skins game. Tom Watson believed Player had illegally improved his lie by patting down a root behind his ball, and after the round, Watson confronted Player in the parking lot. New York Times columnist Dave Anderson wrote, From 30 feet away, Tom Watson could be heard saying, quote, I'm accusing you, Gary. You can't do that. I'm tired of this. I wasn't watching you, but I saw it. End quote. Gary Player could be heard defending himself, saying at one point, quote, I was within the rules. End quote. Considering Watson is a frequent participant in Player's charity golf outings now, the two golfing greats have moved well past the questionable incident. And so have fans due to all the good players done for the game. And it's possible player did nothing wrong, but it's also possible his energetic personality and all those push-ups as an octogenarian have gone a long way to helping people look the other way. As Shane Ryan, a New York Yankees fan like myself, points out, we've seen this preferential treatment play out in other sports as well. The guy I always think of, and you'll you'll relate to this, is Andy Pettit, where yeah. 
Yeah. You know, he did this stuff and he came back and everybody loved Andy Pettit. And he came back and he said, I just made a huge mistake and I'll regret it the rest of my life. And I'm sorry. And Yankee fans are immediately like, okay, cool. Come on back. We love you. <laughs> you know? Right. So it is the personality, the charisma, it can really make a huge difference in, in how you're portrayed, even after people know you did something kind of uh, uh, unsavory. Regardless of how it happens or why it happens, people gravitate to stories involving cheating and golf. It's like rubbernecking a fender bender on the side of the road. You just have to look. Slaying the Tiger is a great book and a New York Times bestseller, but it was Shane Ryan's chapter on Patrick Reed that drew the most attention. And Ryan French has dug into countless compelling stories about the less covered side of pro golf, but the response to his reporting on Matt Moreau's has blown him away. Like I've gotten thousands of messages. This story is 5,000 times bigger than I ever thought it was. I knew it would be big, but I had no, no idea. The fact that a story from the pre-qualifying stage of Q School could generate so much interest shows that the overwhelming majority of golfers are making Bobby Jones proud. Otherwise, as Damon said, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. And such negative attention will hopefully serve as a deterrent to others. We've talked about how golfers cheating can negatively affect other golfers' careers as well as their own. We've talked about how it can put playing partners and teammates in difficult spots. Golf's hard enough as is without having to worry about what your opponents are up to when you're not watching them. But there's another sad side to cheating, and that's an overall erosion of trust. French actually called me a couple times during his reporting of the Moreau story because the only article he could find written on Moreau's was by, you guessed it, me. In 2017, I was contacted by one of Moreau's friends concerning another feat he had pulled off, three holes in one during an eight-day span, two of which came on par fours. And he had the signed scorecards and golf balls to prove it. Or so I thought. I covered my bases as a reporter and talked to his friend. I talked to Moreau's, and I contacted a couple of the courses where these aces happened to confirm they actually happened. And when French tracked down the people involved years later, they initially confirmed the events as well. But as French pushed, eventually they recalled there were some blind shots involved. And they didn't actually see certain golf balls go in the hole. And suddenly, there were doubts. Maybe Matt Moreau's actually did some of the things he's claimed. But it's looking more and more likely that most of his accomplishments were fabricated. It certainly didn't help when he told French that he had made 19 aces in the five years since I talked to him. Bringing his career total up to an astonishing 36 career holes in one, including a few in competition, and an absurd eight on par fours. And just as a reminder, there's been one hole in one on a par four in PGA Tour history. Like the boy who cried wolf, it's going to be tough to take this golfer who cried ace so many times at his word ever again. It's a reminder to not believe everything you read, or hear, or think you see, as was the case with Moroz's playing partners through the years. Stories like Moroz's will make us less trusting and more skeptical. That's not necessarily a bad thing, especially as a journalist, but it's still a bit sad. A few days after hearing about Moroz's Q School tale, I heard about a pair of Holy Cross teammates who made back-to-back -back albatrosses on the same hole while playing in the same group. And my first reaction was, that's amazing, if it actually happened. There were pictures of them celebrating, and Holy Cross's social media accounts were sharing the feat but I only wrote something after the coach confirmed he had witnessed the golf miracle with his own eyes. Sadly, there are always going to be liars and cheats in the world, 
So it should come as no surprise that some of them play golf, even as much as we'd like to believe that golfers hold themselves to a higher standard. Yeah, I think one of the best cheaters that I've heard about is like a, a, um, a pastor, right? <laughs> Uh, which is so bizarre. And I've heard this story and, it, and it's not folklore. I know who the person is. A pastor? If you can't trust a pastor, then who can you trust? It's somebody who, you know, they just want to win so bad that, you know, they, they just fudge a little bit here and there and it gets out of control. I mean, the, that's the thing is the line gets moved. I was talking to a Major League Baseball player about it. Um, about the cheating of the Houston Astros and other teams. And they said they start with just trying to find an edge. And the next thing you know, that line has moved so much that they lose their reference point. So I think it's not a predictor in the vast majority of, oh, this is somebody who cheats on their spouse or cheats on their taxes. They're just so competitive to try to get that edge. Cheating on the golf course may not make you a bad person off it but it doesn't exactly make you a desirable playing partner either. So keep that in mind the next time you're tempted to break the rules when you think no one else is looking. Those bragging rights at the bar after will last a few minutes, but you could lose something else for good. I don't think you'll ever get back the respect in the group that you're in. And ultimately in golf, that's what people want. And that's why they cheat is they want that respect and that value. Mm -hmm. And so once that's lost, I think people tend to move on or move with their tail between their legs. I think when you look at a professional golf setting, once you're deemed a cheater, I think the lack of respect in that locker room is significant, mm. uh, but you're playing for livelihoods. But when we're talking about personality and we're talking about human experience and fun, nah, I don't think you're getting that back. Local Knowledge is produced by Gregory Gottfried with editorial guidance from Sam Wyman. Our music for today's episode is called Escape Backdoor Delay, and it's by Lobo Loco. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to Local Knowledge wherever you get your podcasts, and check out Golf Digest's weekly podcast, The Loop. Thank you. Don't count that. I was interfered with. Yes, sir. Why don't you improve your lie a little, sir? Yes, yes. Winter rules. Oh, yes.